Everybody, welcome. Lord, good to have you here. New with us. We want to have guests and uh, folks joining us online as well. And you can show up in person later. In person, on site. Um, here we are with Jesus in this uh, series of trials on a very long night. Some of you may be into those kind of reality science shows, true crime science drama shows, like the Murdoch trial. You're familiar with that? I mean, it was like dominating the news for all week. It's like everybody was into this trial about this lawyer who killed his wife. And uh, how many of you watched at least some of that trial? Okay, how many watched a lot of that trial? How many of you watched none of Oh, okay. Well, I thought like most people were really into it. Uh, I mean, just the nature was gripped by a group of people in my own family. I'm like, I just don't get it. All anybody cares about this family from South Carolina that nobody's ever heard of. And I think apart from the voyeuristic luridness of the whole thing, it uh, has to do with how deep down we all want to see justice done. And we want to see the guilty get punished. We want to see the innocent go free. Uh, there's nothing we hate worse than a miscarriage of justice. Um, but that's why this trial of Jesus is so compelling to people. Is this very, very innocent man gets falsely charged and accused. He goes through a series of kangaroo courts and gets horribly mistreated while he's in custody until he is finally cruelly executed. It is like the grossest miscarriage of justice ever. And of course, if these trials were held today, it would obviously get overturned on appeal because it's obviously uh, a sham and a blatant disregard for justice. And the whole thing, of course, is a setup. It was a rigged verdict to get the verdict that they wanted, but it had to happen this way so that the innocent could be held for the guilty, so that Jesus could become our Savior. God had planned this all along. He foretold it. He guided it, and he was in control of everything. And he ended up using it all for our good. So we left Jesus last week in the middle of his second trial. Remember, he's been arrested under cover of darkness, away from the crowd, all done in secret, illegally, and he was brought into Jerusalem. Jerusalem, where he brought to the house of Annas, who is the deposed high priest. There, the Romans have taken him out of office, and then he still largely recognized him as a high priest. And he, uh, he gets brought up on all these charges again. And it's a completely illegal trial. All the disciples are scattered all over the place. Peter has denied him three times. He's a misinterpreted message. Welcome. I listened to him on my website. You know, the different gospel writers bring out different aspects of these different trials by different authorities that you can pass around and you can find a pass for God. Um, so he is now brought to the house of Caiaphas, who is the official high priest there. Uh, John the Scripto, that he doesn't even mention that trial, because the Lord has been covered by the other gospel writers, but there Caiaphas is out. Again, illegal trial, he is beaten, he is mocked, false witnesses are brought in with false charges. Uh, the audience are not interested in the truth. They just want to get a verdict that will serve their purposes. So they're, they're trying to get Jesus to incriminate himself, to say something that will lead to charges that they can bring to the Romans so they can get him executed. But nothing's working, so they harass him, they mock him, they abuse him, they taunt him. But Jesus is in control the whole time. They've got nothing on him that can make it sick. 
So, all, all you have to do, by the way, to get out of this is just deny that it's gone. Right? They just let him go. That's all they want. They just want the expectation of his claim to be. But if you did that, it would be the truth. I mean, if you weren't really God, why would he go through all this? Nobody died for a while. Jesus is true until death. Well, they transfer now to the Sanhedrin. They accept the Jewish Supreme Court, go through the whole rigmarole again. He's accused of blasphemy for claiming to be the Son of God. They judge him worthy of death. It's going to corrupt, covert trial, but they are so desperate to get rid of Jesus that they're going to circumvent the law to, to get whatever verdict they can get. And again, remember all these different authorities that are judging him that didn't previously get along at all. But they've come together in the common cause to get rid of their common enemies. Jesus is threatened the whole system. They've got to take him out. And so you've got these corrupt religious authorities partnering with these pagan civic authorities to rig the verdict to get him killed. They don't care about the truth. Now that's true. So, big idea. If you're willing to find the truth, uh, so this is what it's going to happen. And I'm not going by this point. It's early morning. He's now brought into the courtyard of the high priest, Governor Pontius Pilate. And the Jewish authorities know that they can't execute Jesus. That power has been stripped from them by their oppressors, the Romans. So to execute Jesus, they've got to get Pilate to condemn them, to convict them. And of course, John brings out a little ironic touch here to point out that the Jewish authorities will not go into the courtyard of Pilate to be the Gentile. And if they do that, according to their tradition, they will uh, violate their conscience. They won't be able to celebrate the Passover. They cannot disqualify themselves from the big Jewish feast by entering into the home of a Gentile because that just sounds unclean and it will make them dirty. Meanwhile, they're perfectly fine with conspiring together and a big deception to murder a man. That's it. As long as we don't get dirty around it, we're all good, right? Forget that Ten Commandments, so we're not murdering people. Uh, we'll let that be done. So, Governor comes out, he asks for the charges against Jesus, and the Jews say, Well, of course he's guilty. That's why we brought him to you. What's he guilty of? He's guilty of being guilty. Trust us. He's a criminal. This Jesus is a bad guy, and Pilate is having none. They didn't smell the conspiracy, really. They're not telling the truth. So, he says, you know what, guys, this is a religious matter. Uh, I'm really not interested in settling the religious problems and the biblical interpretations here. This is not a matter for the state to decide. You guys take care of it yourselves. We Romans all will really have to have a peace and order and trust So the Jewish leaders are pretty disappointed that they were banking on power to kill him without question. So that's our interpretation is pretty good with God. But frankly, Paul has been in trouble with the Roman authorities. Back in Rome, he doesn't want to risk himself and risk the riot and get manipulated into doing something that's going to get him in trouble. So the Jews are saying, well, look, to us, he has committed a capital crime, and we put him to death if he's let us, if he won't let us. And of course, another way to do that is to death. It's stoning. Stoning to death. But all the old Testament prophecies and Jews himself were told that he died in a different way. And that way, the people say that it wasn't. Now, one of the other flaws that John gets uh, over is probably happening at this point. Pilate sends Jesus away to a local religious ruler named King Herod, King of Galilee, who happens to be in town. 
And Herod seems to think Jesus Christ is a celebrity. Oh, yeah, bring him in. Let's see. Jesus is cool. We've heard all about you. He's a cool Christian book. But Herod's not going to let this be true. And Jesus is a celebrity. He's going to let this be So they mock him, they beat him up, and they send him back to Pilate. Pilate brings him in and asks, Are you the king of the Jews? There's a guy all beaten up and bound up, and the Jews brought him in there. He said, Well, the Jews want to take me. And this guy is no threat to the church. He's an emperor. He's the one who speaks to Pilate. He's the one who speaks to Pilate. He's the one who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Big crowd waving palm branches, shouting, Hail to the son of David. King David's son is here. So, here's kind of a thing, right? So, Jesus says, are you saying I'm a king, or is that just what other people are saying? Again, Jesus is in complete control. He's turning the table on Pilate. The interrogation is becoming an interrogator. But he's got this all snapped out. And Pilate's really going on fire here. Jesus is the judge. And it's still the same way today. People are going to be the judge. But it's got a judgment on Jesus himself. And Jesus' point here is to say, well, do you really understand the difference between a political team and a spiritual team? They're very different. And Jesus is a Jewish king, but that was from Herod. Um, his kingdom is very different. It is, it, he is a messianic king. Actually, king of the Jews, but, but more than that. And Paul is going to ask that, I don't care. You think I care about your Jewish religion? I'm not the one bringing up my charges. Your own people are doing it. What did you do? And that's what I just read. It's just it. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting. But I might not be delivered over to you. But my kingdom is not from this world. When I hold it in a small part now, when I hold it in a universe now, Jesus has a kingdom that is not about political power or military might. Or about brandishing swords and told Peter, put away your sword. I mean, so he could have called down armies and warrior angels if he wanted to, but that's not his kingdom. Remember, long ago, Israel already had God as king, but they rejected him. God, we don't want you. We want a human king like all the nations around us. That's just fine. And that was what? And they got King Saul, who bombed out immediately. So they go to King David. Who turns out to be their best king ever? Still, they're looking for another king like David to restore the glory of Israel. And sure enough, Jesus is a royal descendant of King David, with a claim to the throne of David. More than the son of David, he's the son of God. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. It's not about nationalistic or imperialistic kingship. His kingdom is spiritual and universal. Not just kingdom of the East, kingdom of the Gentiles, kingdom of everybody, because he's the son of God. He's the son of God. We're not preaching about the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of heaven is coming near. Its origin is divine. You can't have it on the map. It has no capital. It's in you. It is among you. It is wherever people confess the name of Jesus as Lord, wherever people pledge allegiance to him, and God the name of Jesus as Lord. That's the king. That's the new Jesus Christ. It's like saying you're not a king. So early in his ministry, Jesus said, before, 
I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, for I was sent for this purpose. And he teaches us to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as it is supposed to be. And, and the truth is, the more people you have living under His kingship, the better able you're able to see the nature of His kingdom. What an awesome kingdom it is, better than any political or societal kingdom. It, 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 it's a kingdom that does good for everybody. It's for the common good. Where the kingdom God spread, things get done. Lives are improved. People are safer. They're healthier. Uh, they, they, they experience um, all better things in, in terms of the stress are helped, the sick are helped, the poor are helped, the least of these. It's an incredible thing. But one day, that kingdom is going to break out fully and finally when Jesus That's when we'll really see the kingdom of Jesus. We're living between the first time and the second time, and the kingdom on the third is going to be settled, and the first of first exists alongside all the other kingdoms. It is a transnational, a cultural, transnational kingdom where we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We're different. Yes, we have a citizenship and a national nation, but we're a nation in the world. It's a new citizenship and citizenship. Now, the only thing that I've ever said is going to a great book, because we do it as a one of the things we call the gospel precisely by Matthew Baker. I thought about the message of Christ is really a royal one. And he came to rule on God's behalf. And his death and resurrection will elevate him to a new ruling office. I mean, he's always been the divine king, but now he becomes the divine and human king that we needed. He's now currently a throne at the right hand of the Father. And understand this gospel, this royal gospel, is more than just about Jesus coming to personally say that from our individual sins. Because sin affects everything. It has political, social, universal aspects to it. God originally created us in His image to rule on His behalf over creation. We were given dominion over creation. But sin prevents us from fulfilling that purpose. Romans 3 says that we all fall short of the glory of God. Our original grandparents, Adam and Eve, were supposed to reflect the glory of God, to radiate it all over the earth. In fact, they were supposed to reproduce, multiply, so that the image of God could be spread everywhere. But that was, that was not just the sin. Is experiencing the glory of God as we intended. Why? Because the image of God has been large and mangled and diminished and it has been degraded and distorted and doomed to our sin. Which means we have systemic problems all throughout creation. Uh, it's corrupted everything. And even though we know the truth, we suspect it. We come up with idols. We manufacture false faith to substitute for God's glory. We do the very poor job of moving over the earth. We can't even do it with God anymore. We make a terrible thing of our own life. 
present of the creation. We need a human being to restore the glory of God that was lost. It's been missing throughout creation. Creation needs the restoration of proper human rule. What God intended from the beginning so that it can experience God's glory once again. And only a flawless human being to do that. And Jesus takes the bread. Because not only is he God, but he is human, who fully reflects the image of God, an image that has not been marred and mended and diminished and dimmed and degraded and distorted. He has maintained the full glory of God. So yet he seems to save us, but not just for our sake. But so that we can get the glory that we deserve. And we deserve the glory of God all over. That needs to be restored. So that's what he does. He rescues us out of this present, fallen, corrupt, old order to bring us into the new order of restoration and renewal. We are being transformed into the image of Christ. It's being restored in us. Our minds are being renewed. The glory of God is being recharged in us. He's refreshing everything. And we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings who are destined to reign with Him forever. For creation reached its full glory. It's got to be ruled by a human king. That is Jesus. And one day, He will reign over creation with his resurrected kingdom and queen. So have you submitted to the influence? Are you one of his royal, royal subjects? So listen, if you find your life purposeless, the good news of Jesus is not just to save you from something bad, it's to restore you to something good. You have a purpose in life. You are made to reign with Jesus, under Jesus. It's not just about us going to heaven one day. Because when we go to heaven, that's just a temporary holding place. And so Jesus comes back and restores the new heaven and the new earth forever. So Pilate responds, Oh, you are a king then. Which I'm sure he says this in sarcasm. But he doesn't know. You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who listens to the truth listens to my voice. So Jesus is just confirming the truth that he has always been proclaiming. In fact, many years later, a future disciple named Paul will write to his young partner, Minister Timothy, and talk about this Christ Jesus who, in his testimony before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. We all make that good confession when we come to Christ. Usually, right before we get baptized, we say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, that's what Jesus is affirming. He is the Christ, He is the Son of the living God, He is the King. He is testifying to the truth. That's why He came. And Pilate, certainly more smearing than signing, asks what is true. No matter how sincere 
or anything you may have What an incredibly awful question for a judge. How can a judge ask what is true? How can you have any law or justice or judgment if you don't even know what truth is? We have a Supreme Court justice who doesn't even know what a woman is. How can you deny truth and be a judge? You don't know right from wrong. You don't know good from bad. We live in a post-truth society where people reject the idea of objective reality and instead embrace subjective perception. We've lost confidence in every institution. We no longer believe anybody because they're always lying to us. Do we believe any government agencies anymore? Any politicians? Do we believe the justice system, the legal system anymore? Do we believe anything in the news project, the media, the school, the food industry, even the medical establishment? Do we believe anything in it? No, because they lie to us. We can't even trust churches anymore because we get lied to. It drifted so far from the truth, distorted it so much. We don't know whether it's true. Some of you know a little bit about that on Facebook. You might have seen a picture of me posted there by a friend who, uh, well, that that is a fake photo that has been photoshopped with an app. You should know it's fake because he posted the question, let's vote on whether Brett should have long hair to reach a younger, hipper class. Which is kind of an insult on you, right? He says you're not young and hip. But so many people believe that was real that I had to have it taken down. Yes, thank you. Take that down. We'll never see that again. Uh, and that, by the way, I posted there if I'm ever going to change my hairstyle, I will ask my wife not to take a public survey on it. And I did ask her, and she said I could draw it a little bit longer, okay? So we're going to see how that goes. Not that long, but a little bit. Uh, we, we have got to be discerning because there is so much that is fake and false in the world. You've got to have your radar up all the time. I don't believe God wants us to swallow whatever we hear or see, but to judge it and evaluate and recognize the truth. Even though our world claims not to believe in truth, they obviously do because there's so much moral outrage out there if you don't agree with what they say. Especially if you're, if you're wrong. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. How can you say I'm wrong if there's no truth? I mean, they're always appealing to some greater standard when they say you're wrong. You know, like if I said, hey, give me your wallet. That's my wallet. I said, no, it's not. That's my wallet. No, that's, that's your truth. My truth is that's my wallet. Give me it. Well, well, no, that's wrong. Why is it wrong? Well, the law says. What law? What, what is law? I don't recognize that law. That law is not my truth. Give me your wallet. Okay. If somebody believes something is wrong or unjust, guess what? You believe in truth. They believe that there is something above us and beyond us. If I say, come up here, hey, I got a hundred dollars right now. Come up, the first person to come up here gets my hundred dollars. And somebody rushes up here, and I hand them a stock of salary, what's going to happen? You lie. What's the lie? It's not telling the truth. What's the truth? 
Can we all appeal to truth when we've been wrong? So to say there's no actual truth, it's self-contradictory because they're making an actual statement about truth. You can't have it both ways. No, we don't live that way. In reality, we all believe that there's such truth. We believe that there's truth the world. Of course we believe that's true, but here's what it is. I'll make a distinction between real truth, real truth, and spiritual truth, of spiritual truth. Uh, that's what you want to believe, but it makes you feel good. That's your truth. No, truth is not something you feel. It is what is thought. Last Sunday, I had to speak to both the middle school and senior high in shift about LGBTQ issues. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and what I pointed out was, it doesn't matter what you feel, it's what are the facts. Feelings don't determine reality. If I say, I feel like a woman, now I've seen that, I'm just going on my point there, but if I say it, is that true? Well, maybe she does feel it, but am I a woman? No. I said a lie. Because I am male down to every strand of DNA. Every cell, every chromosome is male. Facts don't care about the feeling. That's not the truth. Don't ask me to go along with your preferred pronoun because that's a lie. It's not the truth. I'm not going to lie. Now, LGBTQ or any other letter of the alphabet needs truth and compassion not believing and accepting to make them feel that What is the truth? Long ago, God said in Isaiah 5, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You can't put me truth. Or everything crumbles. It's anarchy, it's chaos. That's what we're dealing with in God is, no matter what the culture or the court say, let the people of God be known for seeking and choosing and standing up for sin. What is this? What is this? It's not just the work. It's a It's not just the philosophy. It's a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When it comes to the Father, except through me. He told us to seek the truth and we'll find it. You can choose to seek the truth, or you can just go through life unquestionably following whatever. It's going to lead you to a very different place. People who don't want to hear the truth don't listen to the truth. That's what it says. God didn't want to listen to them, and yet he knows that Jesus is not guilty of any real crime. So he's trying to figure out a way to set Jesus free. He comes up with a very clever idea. He remembers his tradition of Passover time, I can let a criminal go free. And so I'll tell you what, guys, let's strike a deal. got a compromise for you. How about we just let your Jewish king go free? Come on. Please go. And that's why there's a pushback on that. It doesn't work. But I want you to do that Now you think, it's what a pilot has just done his thinking job and investigated the evidence and rendered a verdict based on the facts that just paid him into the trial. And not only are they, now they're going to get an innocent man killed, but now they're going to let loose a dog named Barabbas, 
who's a thief and a murderer and an insurrectionist. I mean, double jeopardy is terrible what they're going to do here. I don't know if you know, Barabbas started to put a violent surprise in Rome, considered a hero, gay, Barabbas, or something out on the streets again, or just they want Jesus dead so badly, they don't care about letting the ball like that We've got to get rid of Jesus. And so they thought, not this man, not Jesus, Barabbas. We want Barabbas. How sick is that? Unbelievable. Especially in real life, Jesus is very popular for the God. So much better than the rest of the world. I believe that Jesus is the 